I haven't thought about diapers in, you know, 15 years and I haven't thought about uh, car seats in 10, you know, and, and then they're just gone. And then you think back and wow, those, those were the most important things in my life, you know? Welcome to The Art of Fatherhood, a podcast that takes you on the journey of fatherhood. Now here's your host, Art Eddie. What's going on, everybody? Art Eddie here for another edition of The Art of Fatherhood podcast. And I'm very happy to have Joe Posnanski. Thanks for taking the time to chat with me, Joe. How are you doing, man? I am doing great. Looking forward to chatting with you. I appreciate your passion for baseball. You're a fantastic writer. We're going to get into all that in a second. But I had the opportunity to chat with your podcast co-host, Mike Sure about fatherhood. So I'm like, I want to bring Joe on, talk a little bit about fatherhood with him, man. So talk a little bit about when you found out you were going to be a dad, what was going through your mind, sir? Wow. It's been a little while now for me. My my oldest is uh, 21, so yeah. we're, we're going back a few years. Um obviously just incredibly excited, incredibly nervous, uh, no idea what was going on, what, what we were doing. And, and, uh, yeah, I was, I was just excited. I, I remember like snippets of, of time leading up, but the thing I remember most was, I guess it was probably about a month, maybe a little less than a month before she was born. And I was outside in the car, trying to figure out how to put the car seat in right like you know like that that whole that whole experience and i remember like i was really struggling with it and my wife came out and of course she's eight and a half months pregnant and and obviously filled with lots of emotions and she walks over and she grabs the car seat which was incredibly loose because i had not figured it out and she just starts shaking it and she goes oh that'll never do that you that cannot like i was gonna leave this the car seat so that it was just flopping all over the place yeah i oh i thought that would be fine i i thought the that she would love that so um yeah just all sorts of excitement and all sorts of nervousness you touched on such a nerve for me remember like driving back home when my i have two daughters 14 and 12 and i just remember like putting them both in the car seat and with the second one i'm like all right i know how to do this but I drove back roads. I, we, we were living in Jersey at the time. I'm like, I'm not going the highway. And that thing is like, you're like, when, you, when you're a new dad, you're like, you're always checking on them in the crib, like make sure that they're breathing right. You don't yes. want to wake them up. And then the car ride, you're like trying to like, is she all right? And like, and like I should be dedicated and watching the road, but you're like nervous, right? The whole time. You're thinking about the whole time. And the great thing is once you get it figured out, like I can remember, particularly with our older one who had more trouble sleeping, just constantly taking her out to the car at night just to get her to fall asleep. Like that was the only time that you would fall asleep was uh, was in the back in the car. So, uh, yeah, boy, it, it's it's such a big moment when like, you, you know how that is with 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 parenthood. When they're when they get out of diapers, it's like this huge moment in your life. And and when they don't have to use the car seat anymore, when they don't have to be backward facing in the car seat, it, you know, it's <laughs> huge moment. And then when they don't have to use a car seat at all, huge moment. And uh, and then once those moments go by, it's like they're gone. Like you never like I I haven't thought about diapers in you know fifteen years, and I haven't thought about uh, car seats in ten, you know, and and then they're just gone. And then you think back, and wow, those those were the most important things in my life, you know? No doubt. Yeah, there's there was middle little milestones. And like you said, like after a while, like my oldest, uh, she like she's a freshman in uh, high school. And she's like, 
you know, a couple more summers and I'm off to college. I'm like, all right, cool. Thanks. You can break my heart. Sure. You want to kick our, we're going to have dogs, but like we have cats. You want to kick them too while you're, while you're saying that. But um, it, it is crazy, but you know, especially people know your career, they know you're a great writer. So I, I'm guessing creativity and actually following through and checking down the whole story, right. Or, or certain things like, not like I'm not saying being a fact checker, but just making sure you know all sides of the story and creativity are some of the values you were looking to instill into them, right? I think so. I, I think what I really wanted is what every parent wants, you know, which is for their child to be happy. And and what I never wanted to do, like what was really important to me, was to never like get in the way of whatever their happiness was, right? Like so, so I'm a sports writer. I never pushed sports on them. Like they liked it. My older one had no use for it. My younger one uh, is a little bit of an athlete, so she cared a little bit more. But you know, I I just wanted like like we would take uh, the girls to baseball games, and my older one would always she'd bring a book with her, and she would read you know Harry Potter or whatever was you know, and and it, it's almost like the game wasn't even happening. Like she had no idea of what was even happening around her. And, uh, and that's what I wanted, you know, like they were both pretty, um, much into like Barbie, not, not the, the dolls, but the movies, the Barbie movies and the princess movies. And, and like, that was their thing. And, and, uh, to me, it's like my whole job as a parent was to like help them enjoy the stuff they were going to enjoy. Right. So I got into the Barbie movies and the, and the, uh, we actually had a moment, funny moment the other day where uh, I was talking to um, my my younger daughter, who's now eight, you know, closing in on 18 and is a senior in high school. So I'm about to be an empty nester, which is not going to be great. Um, but we were talking and I said, oh, do you remember Bibble? And she's like, how, what are you talking about? And I'm like, the old Barbie movies, she's like, her, her like little, her like little friend was Bibble. And she's like, how do you remember that? And I was like, I watched 500 Barbie movies with you. Like that was, that was my, my whole life was basically just watching Barbie movies and princess movies. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah. So obviously we're both girl dads and it, and it's funny. I actually had one of the guys, uh, he was starting a, a Disney show on Disney plus and he was one of the writers for the Tinkerbell movies. And I said to him, I was like, cause I was a stay at home dad and all that stuff. And obviously now I work from home and all that, but I was, you know, I was in radio. My wife and I are like, all right, which job is more stable? Her job was, I'm like, all right, so I've been a stay at home dad. And I remember watching these movies and my wife and I, we talk about our day. I'm like, Oh my gosh, the the deleted scenes and the, and the gags <laughs> that they make are hilarious. Like Vidya, the one that's like, you know, has an attitude. She made this awesome line. My wife's like, you need to get out more. I'm yeah. like, okay. And I told him that story and he was like, I appreciate that. And then he kind of went into who voiced that character and how different, like the different roles she was in and all that other stuff. But it's funny, like you, you and I will remember all of these minute details because we were there in the thick of it. I love it. Um, talk a little bit about something that your daughters have taught you either about yourself or about life. Wow. I, the, the, the list is pretty much endless. Um, you know, I, I think, I think they just both have brought, you know, so much joy to, to my life, you know, and, and I've, I've always been a little bit of a, of a workaholic. I mean, I've always, um, you know, I'm constantly thinking about writing my next thing, my next story, my next book, my next everything. And, and, you know, the, the thing that, that it is, especially when they're really young, but it doesn't change that much 
is that you have to be present for them. I mean, they're just, they're so, you know, they're, they're, they, they need you and, and, and don't need you at exactly the same time. Right. They, like they so desperately want things from you. And at the same time, they want you to leave them alone. And you, you've got to figure out where you stand in all of that. And it's, and it's a constant, you know, back and forth. And, and so I think taking me out of my own mind and, and, you know, I mean, when I was, when they were really young, I traveled a lot, like mm. a lot. And and that was hard. I mean, it was really hard. I, especially cause I was, I was, you know, I, I tried to be an incredibly uh, devoted parent and, and, you know, my wife is an incredibly devoted mom. And, and so I, I never wanted to put too much on her. I wanted always to share that but i but i traveled a lot and so it was always trying to figure out how to 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 make it feel like i wasn't gone how to you know how to make that work and and you know this when they're they're young they're not interested in talking on the phone that's like that's not a thing for them and so so it was always that so i think you know trying to to figure out how to remember what's important in life and 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 focusing on that and 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 again being present i mean those are the things that certainly they've taught me great insight right there and yeah and it's like the little things and also like being there and you're, and you're spot on like even with facetime and they still don't want to like hang out they'd rather like see right. you in person so for those who travel i know like the parents who travel the dads who travel i know that that uh, really hit home with them one more question before we kind of get into baseball and writing and all that good stuff dad hack or a piece of advice you'd offer to new dads and you said a couple of great things that i think people can take away from as pieces of advice but if you have a specific example of a piece of advice or a dad hack what would it be oh well i i used to have a pretty solid one when they were little little so if you're a brand new dad uh i used to have pretty solid advice which is don't don't go for the whole i need a rocker for the for the uh the nursery get a get a comfortable chair get it do not do not get a rocker that you think like if you want to get like a like a, a cool recliner that rocks or something great but like those rockers that that like we i can remember we spent i don't know i mean like weeks trying to find the perfect rocker and we sat down in every rocker in every you know babies are us and you know the entire country just trying to figure out the perfect rocker. And then, you know, Elizabeth, our oldest, was born, and I'm in that rocker, and I'm like, this is horrible. This is not comfortable. <laughs> this is, I don't, this is terrible. She doesn't like it. None of us like it, you know? So, uh, yeah, some of the things that, like, I, I mean, truly as a as a, a dad hack, I think one of the things you have to know is that, it's going to be unique for you. Like your experience is going to be unique and there's things you can learn from, from other people's experiences. Um, but yours is going to be your own and, and don't, don't fall into the trap that you have to have everything that this person did. Like people will tell you, Oh, the most important thing, you know, and that won't matter to you at all once you actually have a, a, a baby. So uh, yeah, the early days, I'll tell you what, the, the other thing about, uh, it's not even a dad hack. It's something I think that everybody, you know, would know. Nothing, like I cherish nothing more than the periods, those moments when they were really little and I was, they were in my lap and I was reading to them. Like those are my 
just I I I think back to so many, you know, there's so much I've forgotten, right? There's so much that just gets lost as you as you go forward in life. But I I think about reading to them, reading Harry McClary from Donaldson's Dairy and and uh and and all of these books that we had. And you know, sometimes they were into it and sometimes they weren't, but everything about that experience of of having having your your child in your lap and you reading to them and then giggling and and being a part of it is uh just magical no doubt yeah reading and singing and like talking to them yes, all of it is 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 fantastic you know just kind of little I, there's a picture of me reading to my daughters on our floor um, and just because of baseball like i'm wearing a bo jackson old school royals jersey and they're just awesome. like in, intense on like all of the you know the stuff i'm reading to them i remember like when you when you like the first child you have if you're lucky to have like a baby shower you get those like hard books you know like the little foldable books and you get like a couple of like sesame street books and they move yes. on to like the easy readers right like <laughs> grade levels and all that so yeah reading is such a great way to connect with your kid and there's certain stories that you know like fables or whatever that you read or they you know pick up and like i remember you read, read me this so i love it um speaking of writing and all that good stuff i love your work and again the podcast like i love the way you and mike just break down baseball and there's that purity of it and you can tell like you know i think this day and age someone might see an article but they don't kind of see the passion that you well through the writing yes but you can go and, get, and find the deeper passion that you have just through like the different ways you guys look at sports and i love that but talk a little bit about like what drew you into the sport of baseball and how did that kind of in intersect with like your writing career and sports journalism and all that good stuff? Yeah. I mean, you know, for me, it was, it was, I, I wrote all the sports, you know, when I, when I first started in, in the business and still do to, to, to a large extent, but, um, but I wrote everything and, and covered everything. So I was writing, I'd certainly in my first, you know, however many years, I didn't write more about baseball than I did, football or basketball or the Olympics or hockey or, you know, it was all one big pile, you know, golf and tennis, everything was in there. Um, but I always liked baseball the most. It was the sport I played when I was a kid. It was the sport I followed, you know, I, I, I certainly followed football a lot growing up in Cleveland, but, you know, baseball cards and, and, uh, and playing in little league and, and all of that, you know, I, I just was a little bit closer to baseball and, Loved it a little more and read, always read more baseball than I read everything else. Um, and so as time went on, that certainly became more of a, a specialty for me, you know, just the, the chance to, to write about this sport. I, I think it's the best sport to write. It is for me. I, I think the stories matter more to people than they do in other sports. I think the history matters more to people than it does in other sports. And, and so I, for me, it was just a, a matter of, you know, continuing along those paths. And then I got very lucky, you know, I became uh, good friends with Buck O'Neill, uh, you know, the great Negro leagues manager and player and, and scout and coach and everything else. And, uh, and I became very close to him and ended up writing a book with him. That was my first book called uh, the soul of baseball. And, and I, I wrote about him and we traveled the country together and and I not only was it so special being around him and my my dear friend Bob Kendrick, who is president of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum in Kansas City, and I would, as I always do, tell anybody if you're ever anywhere close 
to Kansas City to go to the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. It's the most amazing place in the world. Um, but I got into that. Like, so that's a whole other element of the game that I, you know, only knew so much about and learned and learned. So that's that's the other thing about baseball for me is that I'm constantly learning about the game. You know, in football, which I also love and enjoy writing, what you learn about the game is more strategic and 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 you know trying to figure out how things work and and it's it's much more technical but in baseball it's hearing stories and learning history and 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 discovering you know the the negro leagues these all new leagues so i think the sport is just sort of matches up with the way i i think and the way i love to write nice and you know i mean i bet there's so many and it's it's I'm not asking like your favorite one, but just was there a team or a player that you got that you especially were covering that you enjoyed a lot just because maybe as you got deeper into, you know, covering them and reporting about them, there were certain things like, you know, for me as a, as a, as a Red Sox fan, like I got my friends into football, they got me into baseball. When I moved to uh, New Hampshire, like I was huge into football and there, and like, so we kind of like our friendships molded our, our sports fr- fandoms. And I came in at a right time because I wasn't like a huge, like suffering Red Sox fan, probably mm-hmm. like, you know, 91, 92, 93. And all of a sudden I was like, all right, it wasn't that bad of a span. Right. Right. And uh, I always say that like 2004 was magical, not just because I married my wife on October 15th, but that was the day that they canceled the game to, to, to rain. And I remember watching the game in like um, <laughs> in, uh, in Mexico, uh, no, in uh, um Playa del Carmen and I remember like just watching it in Sp- like Spanish it was it was great to see like the, the greatest comeback of all time but for you was there just like for me like that that year will mean so much to me because of what was going on in my life but for you was there something that a team maybe because it st- started like your career started getting bigger and bigger or just in general you loved covering this team or this person yeah I think it's 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 every step along the way you mm-hmm. know there's been these incredible moments that have connected me to baseball. I mean, you know, I, I mentioned Buck O'Neill and and what what becoming friends with him and what writing about him has meant to me. Uh, you know, it's there's so much of it. But if I had to choose, you know, my my very first sort of big city job was in Cincinnati, and I was in Cincinnati in 1994, I guess. I think 94. And yeah, it was 94 because it was a strike year. And, and, uh, you know, at that point I was 27 years old and, and I had written, uh, some columns, uh, in Augusta, Georgia, but I had never written, you know, in a major league town before. And suddenly I was brought in to, to write about this team and the Reds, that Reds team was really, really weird. It was just this, it was owned, owned by March Shaw. Nope. It was this crazy <laughs> person and 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 you know and there was and there was all this crazy history around it there was the Pete Rose stuff and Johnny Bench lived in town and and but that team itself was really good and and had a lot of really good interesting fun players on it Barry Larkin and Reggie Sanders and and Jose Rijo and and all of these great players and Hal Morris and they they broke me in like they kind of taught me the game you know, I'm I'm going in and I'm trying to write about these guys, but I don't know anything. I don't know what a locker room is. I don't know what what these guys think about what they do. I don't understand, you know, the depths of of the game by any stretch of the imagination. And and so I I got to step in. Deion Sanders was on those teams, and I I stepped in as a columnist 
and and uh every day was like a crazy adventure you know and so i loved baseball already and i would love it again when i moved to kansas city and covered very very bad teams for 15 years 12 years whatever it is um but I, those early years in Cincinnati are very special to me. Nice. Thank you very much for sharing that. And this is a weird question, and I'm not looking for a definitive answer, but just like I, I feel like, you know, it's almost like you tell your kids, you know, you're not no, not everyone's going to like you, right? Not everyone is going to just be kind, but you know, you're not going to be friends with everybody. But when in terms of baseball, I'm, I I hear like does baseball need to be fixed? And you must get this question a lot or whatever. But just in your opinion, like. Baseball doesn't have to be for everybody. Like there's soccer on the rise, but like my sports that I watch are predominantly like football. And then obviously when it's basketball, baseball or hockey playoff season, just because with kids and all this other stuff, like those are the times I have, you know, to watch. But I still, like you said, love the stories, love the rivalries and all that. But I mean, does baseball need to be fixed in your opinion? Well, I, no, it doesn't need to be fixed. I, and, and that's been a, a long-standing, you know, is baseball dead? Is baseball broken? They've been asking that question literally for more than a hundred years. I mean, literally, there are stories. Oh, really? Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, there's like stories from the early 1900s about like baseball's dead. You know, 1908. <laughs> it's just it's it's hilarious. Um, so no, baseball doesn't need to be fixed, but I do think baseball needs to make some adjustments to to be more modern and to 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 appeal a little bit more it's not like baseball is going to be able to like suddenly tomorrow everybody you know every 12 year old kid is going to think it's the coolest game in the world that's not going to happen right and 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 there's no reason for baseball to try silly things in order to try to make that happen but it it needs to be a little more appealing for the fan i think that they've lost touch a little bit with what the fan loves and they've allowed the games to become a little too bit too repetitive. There are too many strikeouts. The games last too long. They are working on some of those things. There's going to be a, a pitch clock, which which should cut quite a bit of time off of the games. And I think I think that's good. I think they need to be thinking about some of those things. And it's not a question of building a big, huge new audience. I think it's it's appealing to the audience that's there. It's saying you matter as a fan. We care about you. We're not just playing this game for ourselves, which is how it has felt. I mean, there are times that you that you watch the game and you think, like, who are they playing this for? It's like they're playing it for the manager. I mean, they're playing it for for the for the you know. It's like the, the we're we're the ones watching. We're the ones that care. We're the ones that make this a game as as fans. So. Uh, so yeah, I'd love to see baseball do some of those things, but it doesn't need to be fixed. It's still a great game, still yeah. very popular, um, and it, you know it's it's it it has to fight its own history, right? Like there was for so many years, baseball was the sport, right? And then football really surpassed it. But even when football surpassed it, uh, baseball was still huge and drew a gigantic you know numbers, and the World Series ratings were off the charts and. Like that stuff's gone. Like that's not happening anymore. No, nobody's really, other than the Super Bowl, nobody's drawing the ratings anymore. It's just a yeah. different world that we live in. Like you say, man, we we all have you know we have kids and we have jobs and we have lives and we don't have time for for everything. But I do think that that baseball, uh, you know, should should absolutely amplify what's great about it and should try to take out some of the things that are not so good. 
Great. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Again, with someone whose baseball knowledge I respect and really appreciate it. I thank you for sharing that. The next one, before we get into the Father Quick Five, is kind of like a two-parter. Just like in sports and music, um, there is eras, right, that people cling to. And I think for you, there might be an era of journalism that is, you know, looked upon with a with with uh, a bit of more of a, like, hey, I have affinity for you know, covering baseball or just covering sports, uh, baseball teams or whatever and in this era. But like, I feel like nowadays with social media and everyone needs to have like the breaking news and like, are you getting all your facts straight before you, like I'm using the Celtics, you know, uh, Ime Adoka thing where like people yes. are like, I'm just going to say that like, Hey, look what happened. They're like, well, what else happened? There's more details coming. Right. So like, do you have a favorite era of journalism? And do you think right now, and I wouldn't even consider social media journalism just because I feel like, I'm not a journalist. I mean, I, I, I'm a content creator in this fatherhood and parenting space and I try and, you know, have positive and good content and I'm not like trying to like have these weird guests on, like have these controversial fatherhood <laughs> takes. Right. But like for you, two-parter, I know it's kind of a, it's a loaded double, uh, you know, two-parter. Like what, do you have a favorite era of journalism? And then two, do you feel like social media has kind of destroyed credibility in journalism because people aren't, seeing like who's a credible journalist and who's just like hey i'm just writing this and this is breaking news right yeah well both both of those are, are obviously very uh great questions and complicated questions I, I as far as eras in journalism i i don't i guess i don't look at it quite that way i mean i've i my career i've been around long enough uh that my career has spanned several eras in journalism right i mean i Legit. really <laughs> I came in when I came in, newspapers were king. Nobody, there wasn't even, there wasn't even a competition. You know, I, I can, I tell people this and they don't believe me, but there was a time when newspapers were literally everything, right? Little newspapers were Google and they were eBay and they were, you know, they were everything. It was everything. Help wanted. Like, they were, want, I was going to say, yeah. you want a job? You go to the newspaper. You want a car? You go to the newspaper. What time the movie starts tonight? You go to the newspaper. It was like, we used to get calls. I couldn't remember my first job in, in newspapers was being in the office and answering calls and working, uh, you know, putting together stats. And we used to get calls and people would be like, my cable's out. I'm like, well, what are, what are we talking <laughs> to <you> about? <laughs> like, I thought you ought to know. You guys are the newspaper. You should know, right? So, so of course I love that. I love that there was a time when newspapers were so dominant. Because I love newspapers, I still do, um, and I'm sad that they're gone. So yeah. so I miss that. But I can't tell you that that was a better time. I mean, I think the story, some of the storytelling we get now, mm. is as good or greater than anything we've ever had before. You know, I mean, there's incredible people doing incredible, life changing, world changing work all over the place. And they're doing it in all sorts of forms. They're doing it on podcasts, doing it on social. They're doing it on in magazines and newspapers, on television, uh, on radio. I mean, you know, and, and then in so many other different ways. So, so, you know, so I don't look at it so much as a favorite time in journalism. I more look at it like you better stay on your feet because this thing changes so fast. It just changes so incredibly fast. Play in third like, base, right? Keep your head on a swivel. No keep your head on a swivel. Exactly right. Exactly right. It's, it's more like being a quarterback because you are about to get blindsided. No matter, <laughs> no matter where you are, you are about to get blindsided. Um, and then as far as social media goes, you know, look, I, 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 I have all of the same, you know, thoughts probably that most people have. I mean, it's, it's, 
it's both incredibly exhilarating, right? It's like you, it's in an instant, you can, you can, you know, tell everybody, you know, whatever's on your mind, you can read whatever's on your mind. Some of the stuff you see on social media is hilarious and brilliant and funny and silly and, and also world changing. Like we talked about, I mean, that's, you know, some of the, some of the most important things that have happened over the last decade have happened and started on, on social media. And then it's also grotesque and horrifying yeah. and, and racist and anti-Semitic and, and everything else. And, and so, so it's, it's like, it's a mess, but it's like humanity, right? Like we're, we're a mess. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't, I never know what to do with social media. You know, I'm, I'm on it to some degree and, and, you know, getting back to fatherhood, I, I really, you know, we, we would have a lot of conversations about social media growing up and still do, you know, mm-hmm. about, what to say, when to say it, you know, and, and to always remember it's that it stays with you forever. And, and, you know, you can, you can mean it one way, but it can come off another way. And it's super tricky. And I think that that's who I think about most are the, really the young people and, and who, you know, are just clowning around and suddenly find their lives just altered because of something, you know, silly that, that, that you know we might have done when we were young but who would have nobody would have ever known nobody yeah. would have ever known so so i think about it being just I, I at this point i don't look at it being as good or bad i just think it's it's there and it's it's dominating the landscape for sure well said man i really appreciate that now we're going to finish off with the uh and again it was kind of a, a heavy-handed double uh question but i really appreciate that um of course Fatherhood Quick Five favorite family movie. Do you have one? Uh yeah. We every Christmas we watch Elf. Every 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 holiday we watch Elf. That is like that's. In fact, we we usually we try to figure out what's the exact right day to watch Elf. It gets earlier every year because everybody's so excited for it. So yeah, favorite favorite family movies Elf. Everyone's getting excited. Like they're like you know Will Ferrell's character, like Buddy, like he's here, he's here. Like, yeah, I love it. We we just quote it all the time. It's the best. It's right. the best. Um, favorite band or musician you couldn't wait to introduce to your daughters when they got to a certain age to appreciate that person's music. Um. Okay. Two answers. One, my oldest daughter. It's rel. It's become relatively famous. I took her to see Hamilton. Uh, in New York and wrote about it and it it blew up and and Lin-Manuel wrote to her and it was it was it was a really cool thing some awesome um, dad cred right there the, man. oh <laughs> huge huge I've, I and I've been playing it ever since like I rerun that story every couple of years just a reminder of what as you me. should <laughs> as you should <laughs> um but my my big one is probably coming up because my oldest daughter my younger daughter, like she's into her own music and and she always is is bringing me bands that I've never heard of that she loves. You know, she's very much into today. But my older daughter is very much into older stuff. And I got her into Springsteen uh, and and she loves Bruce Springsteen. And in March, I'm taking her to her first Bruce Springsteen concert. So uh, so it's. Took only 21 years, but uh, but uh, I'm finally going to get to take her to see the boss, which should be great. Love that, man. Enjoy. Uh, describe the perfect family vacation. Where would it be? Perfect family vacation. We went on a family vacation when they were girls were little to London, and we spent like a day in Paris. Like we went to London, and then we took the channel and spent a day in Paris. 
And every year since then, I've thought, why don't we do this every year? Like that's like that. Why do we do any other? Big? I mean, of course, it'd be incredibly expensive. I don't think we couldn't afford it every year. Yeah. But why wouldn't we do like like we always are like, well, should we try to go to Hawaii or should we should we go to like Hilton Head and like make it easier? Should we do this and that and the other? And then it's like I, that London Paris thing was so magical. I just I, it, it was my favorite family vacation. Love it. Nice. Two-part question right here. This is a lot easier than the last one, uh, the two-part question. Yes. Favorite ballpark you have one and favorite food at a ballpark, what are they? Favorite ballpark, I always say, is, is split in two because I, I love San Francisco mm. and I love Pittsburgh. <sighs> and uh, Pittsburgh is is just the the unknown jewel of baseball. I mean, of course, I love the old ballparks, Fenway I love and Wrigley, but those are Everybody loves those. It's it's to me the of the newer ballparks, which is which is what gets me excited. I love those. Um, I'm not the thing about going as a sports writer is you don't get to sample the food as much. You're usually in the press box working. Uh, I have had that uh, the uh, the sandwich in Pittsburgh, um, the, the the crazy one where they throw the fries on top of it and whatever. Um, and, and people will know the name of it in Pittsburgh. And that that's great. That 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 one's pretty great. But I don't know that I've had really like that many because I just am usually I usually am just eating a hot dog up in the press box. Gotcha. <laughs> Which is traditional baseball. Which food. is traditional yeah. baseball. And the dogs are <laughs> the dogs are always great in a ballpark. Nice. Yeah, I heard so many good things. My uh, wife's uncle's like, you know, I've been to fortunate to have been to a lot of cool ballparks and stuff like that. But like he's like, you have to go to Pittsburgh. Just it's the great. scenery, the ambiance, everything. Of course, the game itself too. But he's like, just it is so perfect out there. So it's wonderful. It really is wonderful. And lastly, top three words you hope your daughters would use to describe you as a dad. What would you want them to be? Oh wow, three words that my daughters. I want my daughters to uh, uh, think of me. Um, uh, I'd want them to think that I was. Uh, loving of course uh i'd want them to think that i was funny because because you know that 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 that, sometimes they think i'm hilarious but the older they get they're like oh that's that's embarrassing actually it's not (laughs) that's actually not funny at all um and the third thing i'd want them to think is that i was uh that i am um understanding maybe Mm. you know I, i i think you know, we've gone through, we, as all parents and kids do, we've gone through a lot of different things, a lot of different, you know, issues with them and their lives. And, and obviously that will continue for years and years and years to come. And, uh, and hopefully the first thing that they think is that they can say whatever, you know, they can tell me whatever. And, and that, you know, not to say I wouldn't get mad if they, you know, messed up or, or whatever the case may be, but that always I'd be understanding. So that's off the top of my head. Those are what I got. No, those are perfect. People, make sure you follow Joe on Twitter at Jay Poznanski. Check out the podcast he does with uh, Michael Schur. It's just a – I love hearing the stories and you guys banter back and forth. It's such a good podcast. I know there's so many different podcasts out there. You're on one right now. But I'm just saying, like, it's just if, – if you are love, uh, if you have a love of sports, check it out. And also go to JoePoznanski.com to check out everything that he's doing. I appreciate your time. I know you're a busy guy. I wish you and your family continued success. But this was such a blast, sir. Awesome. Thank you. 
Thanks for checking out this week's edition of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Please rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And also go to artoffatherhood.net. You can have a chance to check out some great articles like the weekly Dad's Doing It Right column, the Collector of the Week, and many more. Plus, you have a chance to win some very cool prizes like video games, collectibles, all that good stuff. Go to artoffatherhood.net and please make sure you rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to podcasts because I'll greatly appreciate it to get the word out on the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts and go to artoffatherhood.net.